Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the I Am Mom podcast. Today, I'm super excited for this particular episode because we are talking gross motor skills and gross motor development in our youngest of kids. And our guest today is absolutely wonderful and so knowledgeable on this topic. And I am have the utmost pleasure to welcome you, Lindsay, to this podcast today. Lindsay is just so fantastic. She lives in the Tri-Cities. She loves connecting with her community, and she has over 14 years of experience working with children, both in a private clinic and local child development centers. She has a bachelor's degree in human kinetic exercise science. She also has a master of physical therapy from UBC. She also provides parents with tools to best support their little ones by complete when she had completed courses through infant development, dynamic core, core for kids, neurodevelopmental treatment and concussion rehabilitation. She's got so much experience in a whole bunch of different conditions, and she's passionate about helping infants and children with their development. And I know firsthand she has been, <laughs> and I know I've talked about this on the podcast before with Malaya's gross motor development and how I had been going to physio for that and seeing this wonderful lady. So I am so happy <laughs> that you are on here today. And disclaimer, Malaya is walking now. Yay! <laughs> and she, know, she's actually running, running. She's hard to keep up with, honestly. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you last week, I think it was Saturday, I'm like, oh, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to have you today. And I know lots of people are going to benefit from this episode. So to begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Well, thank you for that wonderful intro. You covered most of it. It seems like a bit of a mouthful. Um, I just love all things baby and all things kids. Um, I always knew I wanted to work with kids and then kind of figured out physio would be awesome. And oh, look, you can work with kids. So it sort of was the perfect fit. And I graduated and haven't looked back. I've worked with kids the whole time. Um, And I just love my job. I mean, I get to play all day. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just amazing to get to work with these little ones and their families. Um, I really do think I'm the luckiest person in the world because I just get to, I don't know, babies and kids, they just are amazing, right? The the amount of information they can learn and pick up and they're just so motivated to learn and the, they want to do more and they want to have fun and you can do so much with it. And um, getting to work with the families too. I love educating parents and giving them the tools so that they can 
run off and and do all the stuff that they need to do with their families. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, no, and it, you really do. You really do from personal experience, really do educate the parents. And um, it was just so, so cool because I ended up getting a lot of the stuff that you had. And so I could see Malaya doing a lot of the same stuff because you had taught us about that. So it's absolutely oh, great. It's awesome. so good to hear. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of questions. One of the main questions that I actually get is um, what why did you choose to go and see a physical therapist and not an occupational therapist? And so if you could kind of clarify the difference between a PT and an OT. Absolutely. Um, And we get those questions a lot too, because one of the tricky things is that the younger ages, sometimes our information and knowledge overlaps too, which graze the area a little more. But essentially you'd go and see a physical therapist Um, for anything movement related. So even as an adult, you'd go for anything strength related, injury related. If you were finding having trouble doing something or had recurring pain, those are kind of the big physio topics. When we talk specifically about kids and especially babies, of course, um, a lot of the things that they're coming in for are their movement skills. So either they're not picking them up uh, sort of at the speed you'd think they should be picking them up at, or um, you have a concern about the way their movement looks or lack of their movement. Um, And a lot of the infants we deal with alignment as well. So even in adults, we deal with alignment of the body, same thing in babies, but we're more looking at, you know, their head and neck alignment, their body alignment, their feet and those kinds of things. So that's sort of physio strength, movement, balance, coordination, and in the little ones, uh, anything to do with their baby development. Occupational therapy, It's in their name, occupation. If you think of anything that you would need to do for your job. So again, if you look at the lifespan as an adult, you know, for your job, if you need an occupational therapist, they'd look at what you do for your job and how um, you need to function throughout your day. So getting dressed, um, self-care, feeding, your office setup, um, or job site. So they would look at what you need to do to make your life happen on a day-to-day basis. And so if you take that to kids again, Yes, they do still need to get dressed, brush their teeth, eat their food, but mainly their job is to play. So a lot of the occupational therapy things go into, are they interacting with the toys appropriately, using their fine motor skills appropriately, um, as well as the self-care skills as well. Mm -hmm. So because I use play a lot in trying to get them to move, um, and an OT might look at play skills, there can be some overlap there. So working in the child development centers, I had such fortunate team members, I got to work with speech therapists and occupational therapists. And they're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I love it when I can take some of those things and even incorporate them into our sessions. So always if if anyone's out there, and they they use one or more therapies, we love connecting. So feel free to connect us and we can help figure out who's going to do what because sometimes there's a little bit of overlap. So Um, But mainly, yeah, physio is the movement side of things and occupational therapy is the day-to-day, how do you get through your day? Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And do you find that children and infants who come in to see you for physiotherapy, do you recommend that they also normally see an occupational therapist? It really varies case to case. So 
one of the things I didn't touch on for OT, actually, the other category that we often ask for their help in is uh, kids that have sensory regulation or sensory concerns. So that could look like um, they're really overwhelmed by sounds and noises. And so they're very like auditory sensitive or um, some of them can't regulate themselves, meaning their sort of energy level and uh, how much uh, energy they're putting out into the room or being able to focus and control and contain and, and modulate that, that sort of regulation. Um, that often falls to the occupational therapy realm because it impacts how they get through their day. Mm. And so when we're seeing that, we have some knowledge, but OTs have more in the sensory realm. And uh, so we do often call upon our teammates for things like that. Um, and, and if we see stuff that comes up that we think an OT could help with, we would absolutely help refer onwards. But it's not necessarily, um, you don't have to start with both. Okay. We have families that have seen an OT first and the OT is working on some of those types of things. And then they're noticing that maybe their gross motor skills seem a little behind and then they'll send them over to us to work on that. So families do bounce back and forth or see at the same time. Um, but it's not always, you don't always need both. Mm, okay. That's a great, great distinction. Um, and I like how I really didn't really make that connection. Occupational therapist has to do with your occupation. <laughs> yeah. And then but it's just yeah. funny when you're talking about kids, because you're like, well, you don't have a job, yeah. but they do have a job to play and learn yeah. and to learn how to care for themselves. That's yeah. kind of their job. So that's yeah, what they would help sure. with at those ages. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. No, that's really great to know. Now, speaking of gross motor development specifically, what are some common milestones at specific quote unquote, ages that kids should yeah. accomplish. All right. I'm going to give you the rundown. Yeah. I like dividing it sort of into age groupings. So if we think about right from birth um, up to the third month, that movement I and sort of experience for the baby, I really like to describe as asymmetrical. There's not a lot going on that looks coordinated in those mm -hmm. first couple of months. They're very reflexive. They're sort of not in control of their arms and legs and head. Um, so it's anything kind of goes in those first couple of months. Um, so really, when we get towards the four month mark, we start to have our first sort of motor milestone goals. Mm -hmm. And around that four month mark, the things we're looking for is strength of the head and neck as well as symmetry. So if those first three months or so were categorized by asymmetric movement, the four month mark, we're looking for everything to come together to look symmetrical. So for infants, that looks like bringing hands together or bringing hands to mouth rather than one hand in, one hand out, which is quite common of a infant reflex you'll see early on. So they're controlling, they're getting this body awareness. You might even see them kind of staring at their hands, like, hey, these belong to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, I can bring them together in the middle. So this symmetry shows us the middle of the body. And from the middle of the body, we can gain strength and control outward from that place. So that four month mark, I love because it's that they've put together the most basic of skills, which is finding their middle, hands to middle and bringing those knees and feet up to middle. So you might see them grabbing their feet, giving them a chew. Mm -hmm. We all wish we could still, you know, yeah. bend ourselves and be so flexible, but they'll get their feet up. They um, are able to hold their head in the middle. 
And that body awareness contributes to their visual development, their social development, their motor development. It's just such a nice moment in their development where they just have this foundation now where they can now learn to move from there. So I love um, that four month mark for that. So all of that kind of symmetry and coming together in the middle would be sort of my first motor milestone around that age of four months. The next grouping, um, you can kind of consider like a six to eight month range. Mm -hmm. And in that range, you really want your little one they, that they've learned how to roll tummy to back and back to tummy, um, as well as starting to sit up on their own within that range and pivoting on their tummy. So that's when they're on their tummy, but they're turning side to side. So down on tummy and they're kind of side bending and they kind of sometimes spin in a circle. Right. It's quite fun to watch. So we call that pivoting. That is the next sort of grouping of really important skills because what that brings together is from that midline place, it brings in rotation. So turning and, and twisting our body as well as weight shift. So instead of just plunking down, we're shifting our weight from one side to the other. And it's a huge explosion of variety. All of a sudden your baby is in every which whatever place, they don't even know how they got there and they're trying it this way and they're trying it that way. And they don't even know that they're trying it because it's just mm -hmm. all part of their play. And so that variety really comes out in that grouping, that sort of six to eight months marks. Um, so within that range, again, the rolling, sitting and pivoting show up. Okay. So that would be sort of the second age group mm -hmm. of what I would look towards. The next group would be that nine to 12 month mark. And that's where we're getting movement now. So they are on the move in some way. So they're crawling, they're moving between positions. So getting from like sitting down to the floor or from the floor back to sitting. Some of them are getting from sitting up to standing. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are sidestepping up furniture, which we call cruising, cruising along. Um, so really that nine to 12 month mark is movement and movement between positions. Um, so we call those transitions. They transition from one position to another. Mm. Um, so that sort of classifies that those next few months. And then when we get to sort of 12 to 15 months, that's where we're looking at independent steps, climbing over things, they're just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I, I always like to pause there and remind parents that their child does not need to be walking by 12 months old. I get very frustrated with a lot of the online guidelines for infants. Um, and sure, there are some kids that stand up and walk at 10, 11, 12 months, and there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. There's also nothing wrong with your child if they're not walking by 12 months. Mm -hmm. So the age of average walking actually goes all the way up to 18 months. So the norms for walking are 12 to 18 months. Um, I want kids up on their feet, you know, before well before 18 months, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. Mm -hmm. But I just want to remind parents that they don't have to be walking by a year old because I do get a lot of questions about that. And if they're getting up on their feet around that one-year-old mark, we're, we're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. So yeah, no, that's really, and I think that's really fantastic to point out that the guidelines are there, but they're not affirmative, right? Like if no. your child is not doing something at a particular um, age, 
then that doesn't mean that there's something necessarily wrong with them. No. And And some of my favorite questions for families when they come in and they're, you know, they're, they're wondering, is my child behind and this and that for their age? Um, I love getting to know them and especially the little baby because there's different personalities out there and there's little movers and shakers where they are moving the earliest second in life they can be moving and they are just head down, go, 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 go. I got to move. And there's other kids that are observers and they like to watch and wait and see and kind of test it out before they're going to try something. And then siblings play a role. Um, You might have a sibling who brings your younger child everything they would ever need. They sit there and things just show up and they get handed things because they have such a helpful older brother or sister. (laughs) That child might not choose to move as much and we have to, you know, might have to work with that to encourage it. So (laughs) it's really fun. That's one of the funnest parts of my jobs is to try to uh, really get to know the family and what's working for them and and why this might be happening. and, And sometimes it's just little tweaks that we're doing and away they go. So yeah, no, I am, um, you know, and I know you were really great with that with with what us as well when I had my older daughter come in. Oh, and, she was so fun and helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she still is really. I think she was the most excited when she started walking. <laughs> it was really probably cute. she worked hard. Yeah, she, she put in some yeah, time. <laughs> right, totally. Now, yeah. even though there are these developmental guidelines and There does come a point, though, as um, a parent, you have concerns and you probably you have this gut feeling that you should maybe seek out some support. On a personal note, um, I was always told, no, don't worry, it'll be okay." from a lot of the doctors and health professionals and you don't need to see anyone. She'll she'll move or she'll walk when she gets there. But. I mean, when you're scooting on your bum at 15 months, I mean, there's something going on there, right? Um, so what, at what point should parents seek out support? Such a great question. And I love to hear your story because I hear it every single day that the parent had a concern and some well-meaning other medical professional told them not to worry and to wait and see. and. I don't know about you, but I'm not a wait and see kind of person. If there's something I can do about it, I'd like to do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and it's because even what I have written down, I want parents to go with their gut. Parents have such a wonderful gut feeling about things to do with their children. And so often, either from something they've heard from someone else, they kind of, okay, I shouldn't be worried. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And they try to sort of push it aside you be worried. You're worried. So mm-hmm. let's find out some answers. And um, I, I just am so happy and grateful when parents are able to come in and they're like, I don't know if I should be worried, but maybe And I'm like, but you are. So let's answer some of these questions because mm-hmm. maybe it's nothing. And maybe it's something that is something, but we could do something about it and make this better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can always make it better. Yes. <laughs> so I want parents to trust their gut. If something just seems off, come ask. The The worst you're going to lose is an hour of your time. And and, <laughs> and uh, the best you're going to gain is a bunch of knowledge yeah. <laughs> and ways to help, right? And so um, really go with your gut. If you're worried, get some answers. 
And I, I mean, we trust doctors and other medical professionals for good reason. They have wonderful training, but I do like to differentiate that their training is in medical conditions. So they approach your concern from an aspect of, is this a medical concern? Yes. And often it's not actually a medical, like they don't have a medical condition that needs to be treated by a doctor. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, I'm not a doctor. I don't have that training, but I approach your questions as, does this have a developmental impact? And they're very different approaches. Mm-hmm. And if I need assistance from a doctor for a medical problem, I refer my families on. And I, and more and more doctors are getting on board if there's a developmental question, they're not actually the experts in that. <laughs> if, it, if it's not a medical concern, they refer back for developmental concerns to mm-hmm. people who are trained in those areas. And it's coming. It is more and more. We're getting more collaboration between the different medical fields. Um, and we're getting, we, we work with wonderful doctors where we, you know, and we send notes if we have questions yes. uh, that I might have. Is this a medical thing that we need to get investigated? And they'll help me answer that. Right. And so, you know, seek out the people who have the training for your question. And there's nothing wrong with answering, uh, sorry, asking your doctor. Absolutely. You should ask your doctor if you have a concern, please do. Yes. But if they give you an answer and you're still feeling like I didn't get enough to satisfy my concern, keep asking, ask more people, ask different people, keep asking because um, parents are often right that there's, there's something more we could be doing to help that little one. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you defined it as it being in the realm of medical or not. And I think you're absolutely right. When doctors are looking at infants and infant development, they're looking to see if they are generally making those milestones. And if they are, if they are in the very general sense as a whole, Yes. They don't see that there is a medical concern exactly. that you looked at. <laughs> I do have to say, though, I have um, my own pediatrician, um, as well as we also saw a, a um, neurologist, I believe, um, who looked at Malaya and both said there's no medical condition, but... I mean, because I already trusted my gut instinct and was in physio anyway, they did say, if you do anything right now, if we saw anything, I would recommend that you see, go to Playworks Physio (laughs) beyond everything else. It was Playworks. (laughs) All like I had that, um, that acknowledgement that, you know what, it's great that you did pick up on it. We didn't pick up on it because it's not a medical concern, but you still went and addressed it. Right. And well, and it's come such a long way because, you know, 10 ish, I'm terrible with timelines, but 10 ish years ago, there was no options for private pediatric physio and the child development centers, unfortunately, with the funding structure and the way the the health system works, they are mm-hmm. overwhelmed and they cannot see everybody. And they really only see the ones that have the most dire needs and the yes. most significant needs, right? And so there's a lot of these little ones that were just, okay, just plug along, good luck to you. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that 
you know, we're here now, we're available. There's more clinics around cities all over Zoom with the pandemic and being able. So even before the pandemic, we as our our college that we're governed by, we're not allowed to provide telehealth. Um, It just wasn't in the wording. It was just outdated and everyone rushed and, and stepped up and it got adjusted. And, and same with the, uh, I could be foggy on the college details actually, but extended coverage, if you have coverage, it was not listed as telehealth that would pay, like you wouldn't be able to be reimbursed. Yes, you're right. So, I mean, and insurance companies stepped up. How often can we say that? And the mm-hmm. college rules and then the systems to provide uh, privacy protected conferencing stepped up so we've seen kids across the province and up on the island and in the north where they just don't have services and we're able to do this exact thing and provide education and help to people all over which pre-pandemic wasn't an option it's one of those things from the pandemic right that really one of those lasting legacies that we are going to enjoy and feel grateful for because um yeah we've been able to i think reach a lot more people which is really cool Yeah, absolutely. That's just so fantastic. Um, There was something else you mentioned, which I think is really important to highlight, um, is the word developmental and the developmental milestones. And I'll say that because, again, from personal experience, coming in with Malaya, I came in with she's scooting on her bum and she's not walking. But what you told me was, we need to go way back and make sure that those developmental milestones, as you had pointed out right now, are there because they weren't there. So I think that's very, very important to, to highlight, right? That it's, um, yes. you can go back and you can, Absolutely. <laughs> can work on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I didn't fully answer your question because that reminds me exactly why would you come into physio? So Mm -hmm. the gut feeling is where I went off on my tangent because that's so important. But your story is also very common in that if you have a little one that likes to do something in one way and one way only, (laughs) that is one of the the biggest reasons to give us a call and pop in. Yeah. (laughs) Because movement itself at that young age is defined by variety. They are doing everything and and they're problem solving constantly. And they're, how do I get over that? And how do I get under that? And they're getting stuck in all funny places. And that's a hallmark of development. They're learning to problem solve and motor plan. And they're using variety to do that and learn from their mistakes Mm -hmm. and getting stuck. And so at any age, if if you have a little one, you just think, man, they really only do it this one way. Um, and that could look like they can only roll one way and then they're just stuck <laughs> and they can't get off their tummy or vice versa, or they never did roll mm-hmm. and they only like to sit there and they just want to sit. Now I did say there was observers that like to watch the world, but if they're not able to get out of sitting and they would just sit there and either cry for help or just sit there contentedly without moving. Again, that's a lack of variety. If -hmm. they're not showing the initiative to have this motivation to explore, that lack of variety, doing things in one way is really um, one of the reasons I would love you to come in and Mm -hmm. see us because 
sometimes I even get parents that say, oh, you know what? I think they're just lazy and, and they're saying it out of love. I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, I just don't think they want to move. I just think they're a bit lazy and they're waiting for me to do it for them. Um, and I always say that if it was easy, they would be doing it. Yeah. So there's a reason it's hard. And that's what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it because it's hard. And it's my job to help you figure out why it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, yeah, that lack of motivation, that lack of variety, um, or in general, just slow to hit those milestones. They're just not picking them up as quickly as you'd think. Um, and what you touched on there, when we see a little one who's like, she was motoring around on her bum. She could go so fast. And, and we do get a lot of bum scooters. And I like to give them a moment of applause for have figuring out some mobility. They, yeah. they motor planned, they problem solved, they got from here to there. Yeah. But what they don't have is any other strategies. Yes. And it's not very functional or fast, and it doesn't really lead to anything. We don't do a lot of things from sitting. Mm-hmm. We can't really stand up from just sitting flat on our bum. Mm-hmm. We can't get down onto the ground from sitting straight on our bum. We have to twist. We have to lean. We have to rotate. We have to weight shift. We have to turn onto our knees. We have to do all of these wonderful things that we don't do in sitting. And so in your case, she only knew sitting. She mm-hmm. didn't know how to get in or out of it. She didn't know how to rotate and weight shift. And it's scary. So then she comes in and I'm trying to make her do it. And she's mm-hmm. like, I don't like this. This is scary because she doesn't have the skill set. And that's when we talk about going back mm-hmm. and through play and through fun. We never, you know, not once did I ever stop her from bum scooting. Like nope. I didn't say she can't do that anymore mm-hmm. nope, because we would never no. take away movement, yeah. but okay, let's put some obstacles in her way or let's do it in a whole other way that she doesn't even think she's working because it's not on the ground scooting around. And so we've just, we've changed it enough. She's like, you know, what do I do from this position? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so many ways that we can sneak it in there and yeah. get them to sort of buy into what we're doing. <laughs> oh, totally. And I feel like the way that you did it was just so nurturing and playful. And it really motivated her to want to meet, you know, across her midline or, you know, stand up at one point and move yes. or take those independent steps. So yes. I think it's so important to do that. Now, what kinds of things can parents do at home? Those of those parents who are listening right now, what are some really great strategies, easy strategies that they can use at home to encourage gross motor milestones? Um, one of, I think the things I say the most often is try not to do it for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that doesn't mean you can't help. I just mean, don't do it for them. So, and that comes with qualifications at different ages. Obviously in the first few months, you're doing absolutely everything for them, (laughs) but as they start gaining some strength and some skill, um, we're going to use a little bit of like. I I should call it an awkward pause. So if you're, say, the baby's working on rolling over and they can't yet and you're just hoping and you're trying to practice it. (laughs) If you just take the baby every time and say, we're going to practice tummy time, so I'm just going to put you on your tummy and, oh, they're they're done on tummy, so I'm going to pick them up and then I'm going to lay them on their back. 
and then I'm going to pick them up. And I'm going to carry them around and, oh, we should do tummy time again. I'm going to lay them down on their tummy. Mm-hmm. We just haven't shown them how to roll yet. You're just turning them over. And so the way they're going to learn to roll is you're going to help them do it, but you're not going to do it for them. So you're going to, you know, help them gently, nice and easily. We're going to turn over. And some point in that movement, I like to throw in an awkward pause. And by awkward, I mean, you're waiting long enough that you're like, this is awkward. Should I be helping more? If you get to that point in that long pause, then you can help some more if they haven't done it by themselves. Ah. So if you help turn them half in this example of rolling, if you help turn them halfway and you have this long pause here and the baby's like, well, which way am I going? And you're like, I don't know, which way would you like to go? And they're like, well, I, I think, oh, I turned to my back again. Okay, let's try again. You help roll them. Long, awkward pause where you and the baby are both like, who's going to do what here? Mm. You've waited long enough. And if they don't turn to their tummy, of course, keep helping them. But add in the pause. Like, just, just think about what can you do to assist them without doing it for them? Mm. And that covers almost every skill we talk about. So that's one of the, the things I have parents with when they're with me practice the most of is I'll get, I'll show them, I'll get the parents to do it while we're in session so that they go home feeling comfortable trying these out. And um, often within a session, the baby's like trying to figure out what they're supposed to do to be helping. Mm -hmm. And and it's really neat to see how quick they're like, okay, we're we're a team in this, that I should be doing something too. Um, So that's sort of how you can help individual skills. In terms of how you can help motor development, Uh, Think about safe spaces. So of course, blocking stairwells with gates, uh, making a safe space in your house, having something nice on the floor that's uh, safe for them. So many houses these days have no carpet. So making sure you have some sort of mat that's safe for them, but kind of created in in a space for them that they can check things out at different levels. That's another big one I talk about too. So Um, Maybe we'll talk about babies that can sit um, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're working on getting up and down or being a little bit mobile on tummy, maybe turning. If everything's always on the floor, they never have a reason to get up on hands and knees. They never have a reason to get on their knees. So think about different levels, right? So if your baby's awesome on the floor, move to the next level, stick some toys up higher, flip over a laundry bin, put some toys on top, put some stuff on top of the couch. Take couch cushions if they come off your couch are my all-time favorite piece of equipment. You don't have to buy anything. Take your couch cushion off. It's a play space for them. They can climb on it. They can sit on it. They can climb over it. They can kneel at it. They can try to get on hands and knees to reach something on it. So levels is another great one. Once you've created your safe space, just think about, does my baby have a reason to come up higher than laying on their tummy or laying on their back? Yeah. So that's another kind of big general idea but you can kind of play around with that um and another thing I find myself saying almost every day is don't try to rush the standing and walking so a lot of families will come in and they'll be like oh you know he loves to stand and we stand up and we practice taking steps it's so cute of course your baby taking steps and that's that's the whole goal is that's what we want Mm -hmm. them to do and I have to sort of explain to families that if we do that now before they're ready, they're using you really. Yes. And they're going to think walking is that easy, that they have to do almost nothing. And lo and behold, they're on their feet walking around. And so it's going to be really hard sell later when we want them to do it on their own and they have to work a lot harder for it. 
So just don't be so, you know, we don't have to jump there yet. If we're, if they're not pulling up to their own two feet, we're not practicing anything on their feet yet. Yeah. We're working on where they're at and, uh, give them lots of place to explore. Let them give them some safe places to climb, crawl, climbing and crawling. If you could spend the most time in that first year, climbing and crawling, you would be the strongest you've ever been in your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're lifting yeah. your own body weight, the, the amount of shoulder strength and hip strength and core stability we get from crawling and climbing, hang out there for months if you can. <laughs> Yeah, just give exactly. them new places to explore in those positions. Yeah, no, that is wonderful. I learned that quite a bit from you. I remember um, you saying don't get her to go on her feet and, you know, hold her hands and try to walk that sort of thing, because it's going to end up being too e like she'll think it's so easy, right? Well, and I see little ones like yours that are just yeah. a little bit too smart for their own good. Yes. And as soon as we show them that Oh, look, we'll do this for you. Yeah. And she's having a great time being mm -hmm. held up and standing, moving her two yeah. teeth. She's like, why? This is great. Like, why do I have to? <laughs> so yeah. she's, she was just, she was ahead of herself yes. in the. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I remember one um, exercise you gave us, which I think is so doable for everyone is putting the covers like comforters in a pile oh yes I call that blanket mountain yes that's what it was we we like to name things fun names yeah <laughs> it was really fun and you were right because you said as soon as you put it in the middle and you scrunch it up she doesn't have a way around it besides crawling through it right and that's one of those ways that again she was a smarty pants mm -hmm. and she was like I've got this movement thing down. I'm going to scoot on my bum. Why would I ever have to do anything different? And we're not really going to convince her to do anything different on the flat ground. She's yeah. got it. She's good at it. She's fast. So we made this blanket mountain, right? Scrunch it up. And when you plunk her in the middle, she's going to try her, her best to get out of it on her bum. And she's going to have to do some serious problem solving. And yep. she's smart enough. She can do it. <laughs> problem solving, um, some trial and error. And she's, and I told you at the time, I think it doesn't really matter how she gets out of it. Yep. It's just going to be something that's not on her bum. Mm -hmm. And through that repetition, she's going to gain those, what we talked about, the rotation, the weight shift, um, and the variety. She, she's going to get variety out of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Blanket Mountain, I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that it's something you can do at home without buying some expensive equipment. Because what I do see yes. a lot is you see a lot of um, play mats or whatever it is promoting physical development. This will help your child sit. This will help your child crawl. This will help your child stand. What is your opinion on these products that are out there in the market? Um. Almost none of that is true. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the equipment, and you have to remember, the equipment is being marketed to be sold. You know, these companies, and they're, they're colorful and they're fun. And all of us parents want to provide the most fun and exciting environments for our little ones. And you kind of get pulled into like, oh, I think we need that. And you need very little things purchased. Um, my goal in sessions is to never ask families to buy anything. <laughs> um, Love it. And I, mm -hmm. I can't say I've never asked a family to buy anything, but I really, really try because 
if you look around your house with a, like, and I can, some families give me ideas, right? Like, I'm like, I need something where we can do this with it. And they're like, how about this or this? I'm like, yes. So we're creative together because the other thing about all that equipment. So number one, babies will do all of these things on their own. The equipment will not show them how to do it. The mm. equipment is a convenience. So often the equipment's a convenience for us. You know, we need a hands-free moment. We want a safe place to put our baby in. Um, sometimes they're a necessity given your household. Maybe you have a bunch of big dogs and older kids that will <laughs> trample. And mm. so you need a piece of equipment to put your baby in. <laughs> mm -hmm. That it happens. There's times that the equipment is helpful, but it does not teach them how to stand or walk because it's doing the job just like you holding hands of your little one to stand up it's holding them up and they're just moving their legs around so it actually often shows them the wrong pattern the incorrect pattern of what we want them to learn and it can actually get in the way and slow down the development of gaining it on their own because we've shown them this alternate way that doesn't really fit with the natural pattern of development and they're like well this is but this is how I learned it mm -hmm. and they almost have to unlearn it to get to the way that they could do it on their own so it, it some of that equipment actually often hinders where we're trying to get to in the short term mm -hmm. um and plus it's just it's space taking up and in your house you have so many wonderful things you've got coffee tables like I said couch cushions I could spend an hour talking to you about couch cushions <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. couch cushions you can make couch stairs you don't have to practice on the big, scary, hardwood, ouchy stairs. You could practice couch stairs and everyone's having fun and it's cushy and safe. And um, there's, you can use stools. You can sit on a stool and practice going from sit to stand. You don't have to go buy a fancy kid's mini chair. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, people have extra mattresses or there's just a mattress on the floor instead of on a frame. And you can use the mattress for climbing. You can use your comforter for a, a place to climb over yeah. you can use your body if we're working on climbing I tell parents all the time to lay down yes. block their child's way and they have to climb over you you're the equipment right yeah. um you can make toys and interesting things for them to play with with like your Tupperware and you could cut holes in recycling containers with lids and get do in and out toys like you know, like some of the toys kids are almost happier playing with the real version of a kitchen oh, toy yeah. or a or a box you know it's actually true mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> um sure. laundry baskets are great you can, if especially if you weight them down you can climb in and out of them you can push them you don't have to buy a push toy your kid can push your kitchen chair across the floor yeah. or you can weight down the laundry basket and they can push the laundry basket around you know like we have stuff that's there so um i love brainstorming and trying to come up with solutions that are just around the house because it's it's often not worth the money. Yeah. And if yeah. you're going to buy something, I always try to lead you to something that will last more than one stage. Mm -hmm. So um, if it's just a piece of equipment that could be used once for a few months when they're this big, <laughs> then it's how about not that? But why don't we use this? Because then later on, you could use it to build forts, you know, yes. like when they're bigger. And so you could keep it and use it again. And so I, I try to, I try to make it something that would be used across the span yeah. if we're going to actually go get something. Yeah, I love that. And as you're talking, what I also get is this sense of empowerment for both the parent and the child, right? Because you're problem solving yourself. You're not just, you know, going on Amazon and 
figuring out, okay, what's going to be the best thing? You're kind of, you're figuring it out for yourself with what you have at home, which then will decrease your anxiety around it, which will help decrease your child's anxiety. And it's that connection that happens as well, right? You're not just using something else to um, help your child reach those milestones, or we think are going to help reach those milestones. But you're having that moment of connection with your child, which then will help also build their confidence level up. Um, Oh my gosh, absolutely. And you pretty much just summarized the best part of my job. (laughs) Because My whole point in being there for families is to not need to be there for families. Like I, my hope is that you don't have to come back and see me. I want to give you the education and the tips and tricks that you need to run with it because you know your child best. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a glimpse of them, you know, an hour here and there out of their day, sometimes Mm -hmm. at nap time. And, (laughs) you know, you know your child best. And you're telling me what the problem is. And I'm there to just help find solutions that you can go home and do because you're the one putting in the time. Like I'm, I'm just here as a bit of a side coach (laughs) that's trying to cheer you on and give you what you need to do. And that's the best part of my job when parents are come back and they're like, we made this kind of an obstacle course with this and this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to write that down. That was such a good idea. You know? And I'm like, yes, you nailed it because we talked about that they needed to work on this sort of category of skill and you just came up with three ways to do it. Mm -hmm. So that is absolutely the best part of my job. I'm like, Oh, that's exactly why I want to be here. Oh, that is so beautiful. And you are definitely in the right place. And I do have to say, even if you do see families for a short amount of time, the impact is lifelong and lasting so thank you so much for everything that you do for all the families oh Um, it's just such a pleasure it's yeah you're 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 very special to to our families well you guys are pretty special too (laughs) thank you is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today um just know that you've got this you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna have questions along the way and really, uh, I think a parent's job is just to advocate for their, and I know the word advocacy kind of gets thrown around there, but Mm -hmm. it's just your job to find out what your child might need. You're not necessarily, you don't have to do it for them in in many aspects of life, but how can you help them get what they need? So that's that's the same with movement and Mm -hmm. development is you're there to just sort of guide them on that journey of learning to be independent, strong. And at at the ages we're talking about, their job is to, you know, gain strength and play and keep up with their friends and have the confidence to join in. And that is one of the reasons I love working with these age groups, because these foundational skills, if, if they're missed, you know, it's happened before in in the world, it's Mm -hmm. missed. And a lot of these kids are just when they're older, they're hesitant to join in with the more physical games or playgrounds, or they, they hesitate to join certain types of activities, because they just don't have the, like you said, confidence or the skill set to do so. And that, and there's some kids, you know, personality, again, plays a big role, but, um, I want kids to have those foundational skills so that when the opportunity arises, 
they're not hesitating to join in and they're, they have that confidence, physical confidence to join in and try something new and play with their friends. Cause that is their job. <laughs> and so if, and the, like when we catch the stuff at this younger, the younger we are, when we help intervene, um, the more foundation they have and they can build from that. But it's ne also never too late, I think, is another piece to leave it with. Because if you, yeah. you know, had questions about, you know, when they were younger and then you never did anything about it and you thought this is okay, we're doing all right, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes it comes back at older ages where you're like, you know what, they're in school now. And the teacher tells me, I don't know, they, they don't like to join in gym class or you're at the playground with them on the weekend and you're noticing they're the only one that seems to be holding back. Mm. Um, never too late yeah. <laughs> come in because obviously I'm not going to make, you know, the big kids just practice rolling, yeah. but we do go back and we incorporate those, those things we talked about, the rotation, the weight shift, all of those things we incorporate at the older ages too, so that we reintroduce those foundational skills and build their stability and confidence so that they go out and like some of my most exciting visits as a kid has run in for our next session and they've been like, I did the monkey bars yes. and they just like, they had a personal goal. Yeah. They came in and I was like, what do you want to do? And they were like, I want to do the monkey bars. Yeah. And then one day they come back in and they're like, I did it. Oh, and they just, so that amazing. confidence, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. And so it's never too late. If, if you're wondering, um, come in and ask us. Yeah. Because if you don't need us, we will tell you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that is a really great point to make. There is nothing going to be lost to come and see you. No. And in fact, there'll, there'll be quite a bit to gain. So I, oh, I yes. highly recommend it for sure. Now, where can listeners find you and connect with you? Absolutely. Um, I work at Playworks Physio. So we're in Port Moody, right in Newport Village. Um, we have families come see us from all over the lower mainland though, which is so excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's Playworks. We have an amazing team of physios there that we all share a lot in common with our values and our, uh, you know, the way we practice and interact with our families, those core values of supporting and educating families, um, is really the foundation of our team. So we have, we have a really great team of staff and physios there so i mean you can google playworks physio it comes up in newport village um we're always happy to answer questions too so please feel free to reach out uh if you have any questions that is amazing you offered us so much advice so much inspiration really great actionable steps, which is what we're all about here at the I Am Mom podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. Such a wonderful, wonderful episode that I know is going to benefit so many people. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me go on and on about the things I love. So oh, <laughs> I really appreciate oh it. It was wonderful. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening. Let us know how this landed for you. And if you have any questions, please let us know in our Facebook group. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. 
We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.